Hello and welcome to Special Advising, No Parent Left Behind. I'm your host, Mark Ingracia, and I've been an active member in the field of special education for 35 years as a classroom teacher, tutor, parent trainer, consultant, and advocate. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a podcast for parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities as an information hub and promoter for the advancement of people with disabilities in all areas of life. So if you're interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more, this is the place for you. If you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment, and tell your friends about it. And for some extra help to inform your journey, visit the resource page of my website, specialedrising.com. I would love to feature your success stories on the show, so if you'd like to contribute, please send them to my email so we can show the world what's possible. If you enjoy the podcast, now you can tune into my YouTube channel, Special Ed Rising, for short clips from my interviews. The catalog is building, so look for new clips in the coming days. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Jody Manuel. With her depth of knowledge and many years of experience, Jody Jo Manuel is recognized by many as one of the world's leading authorities on therapeutic yoga for children. In 2002, Jody founded Special Yoga, a global organization established to provide and develop sustainable and accessible yoga programs for children with special and additional needs. Special Yoga's work reaches across education, therapeutic settings, and within the home. Jody has traveled extensively, implementing special yoga programs in orphanages, social care, education, and health care, and for pediatric therapists and psychologists. Special Yoga practices continue to be effectively used in Russia, Iceland, Peru, Mexico, Australia, Thailand, Sri Lanka, Austria, Spain, Abu Dhabi, and other parts of Europe and the Middle East. As founder, lead, and spiritual head of Special Yoga, she has trained senior practitioners to support the effective and impactful delivery of Special Yoga into local councils, academies, and individual special schools and specialist provisions to provide training in therapeutic yoga for children with special needs. Most recently, she is supporting the training of psychologists for traumatized children in the Ukraine and Turkey post-earthquake. She is a published author with the Spiritual Teachings of Yoga, and she is a contributor to the report on integrative pediatrics at the hospital San Joan de Du in Barcelona, Spain. She also contributed to a chapter in the yoga research book by Dr. Shirley Tellis, and I'll post the link to that in my show notes. And now, let's find our center and open our hearts as I welcome Jody Manuel to the show for another win. Hello, Jody. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. It's so nice to finally meet you. You come highly recommended. And as I discovered, you've been the leading practitioner therapeutic yoga for kids with special needs since 2001, I believe it is. Probably, yeah. Give or take. <laughs> Could we'll be. take, we'll take. All yeah. the years start to blend, right? Yeah, yeah always. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, that said, could you just give us a little bit of your background so we can get to know who you are? Yeah, 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 certainly. So I um, I started yoga myself in 1974. And um, for me, it wasn't, I, I was drawn to it not through the physical practice as much as the sensory experience that I had in that first class because there, there was incense and they were dressed in white and they were chanting. And I, I kind of felt like there was something much greater than us going on anyway in the room. Mm -hmm. And I, well, I actually have no recollection of the physical practice from that, of, of that uh, particular 
particular um, experience. And I came, I went and talked to them afterwards because I wanted to understand more about what was happening because it was, you know, it was a kind of, it was almost like an, a, a spiritual awakening at some mm. level, I suppose. And um, they sent me home with one of the, the texts of yoga called the Bhagavad Gita, which is really about the battleground of the mind. And, well, in a very simplified version anyway. And um, I devoured it. I was 17. I thought, wow, this is extraordinary. And um, that sort of begun my journey. And then a few years later on, I, I moved to New York. I, I walked into a studio and I uh, studied yoga with that particular teacher for 10 years. And after which he said to me, go and teach. And again, it was a very spiritual experience for me, as well as a physical experience, because I just wanted to, we both had stray dogs and I just wanted to stand next to him. You know, I, was, I tried to tie him all my dog walks so I could be next to this man. And, you know, because he had that that kind of really beautiful, centered, you know, energy that you get with right. somebody who's, you know, has been in years of practice. Right. And so when I came back to the UK then in the late 80s, I guess it must be now, um, and started to teach yoga, I found very quick, I, had, I didn't have an intention of, of anything that really happened to me. Um, but I very quickly in my in my teaching experience, there was a blind man and his dog showed up and there was a, a woman in the class who was terrified of dogs. So the class plans went out the window because I had to be really present and teach in a different way. And a woman with cerebral palsy showed up and then a te head teacher of a school in a quite deprived part of London showed up and said, you know, I think we need you in my school. So and I went into the school and I thought, oh, this is interesting because these kids are like me. You know, I come from quite a lot of trauma in my uh, childhood and I saw these kids kind of out of their bodies, unable to, you know, that fiddly thing, you know, sure. can't be here. I'm not comfortable. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I can't be present. Right. And I thought, oh, interesting. So. And I, you know, there was no kids yoga teaching in those days, but I thought, well, I can give them what I learned in, mm -hmm. you know, in as child-friendly way as I can do it right. and try and help them in the same way I've helped myself, I suppose, to uh, just find some more peace inside, to regulate, to be able to be here. Because it's much easier being out there than being in here when you're, yeah. you know, in that kind. And I think yeah. in those days also, there was no diagnosis of neurodiverse wasn't even a word in the English language, I don't think. You know, there was no, there was very, there was no diagnosis. You know, they were just children who were unable to learn and naughty and bad. And, you right. know, so, it, it, you know, it was a very different time then. And relegated Right, and relegated to the back. Yeah, 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 not, totally, not totally, totally dismissed as useless people, you know. Well, right. I mean, I think people, neurodiverse people still, you know, well, people with special needs are still dismissed as not useful in the world. But nevertheless, you know, it was a different time, really, and all mm -hmm. the kids calmed down and the teachers were like, what did you do, you know? He's <laughs> quite witch, you know. So fast forward. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, fast forward a, a few years, I um, – uh, I met another teacher who was also teaching children with special needs, brought her work to the UK, and then we parted ways and I found my own path through that um, medium. And it's changed my life because I think they're just such extraordinary beings to work with. And I think that they're so important in the world because mm -hmm. they teach us so many things about love, about right. unconditionality, about presence, about... I don't know. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And I really often think if I could see the world through your eyes, you know, wow, you know, there would be a whole new world exposed to me. And I and I say that in regard to children with, you know, kind of complex physical needs in the same way that I would say about, you know, people who are in the more neurodiverse world. Right. Yeah. It's So you had no teaching experience prior to this. This just became like this was an organic 
process that just yeah i started with this woman for a little while um you know close though but at the beginning no 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 no. i mean the children teach you you know and i think i think the key to this is less about the kids than it is about you so when you learn i mean what we teach and, and i think it's really important is to really um regulate yourself because when we're regulated and calm what happens is we 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 put out an energy that allows the child to feel safe and then they can settle you know and without that i don't think children can regulate you know and i think there's so much going on oh let's fix it all out there they don't need fixing anyway they just need to be soothed they just need to be held in a soothing space Mm -hmm. calm safe space so that they can regulate themselves and then you know as we all do need techniques and you know reminders of what we probably inherently know inside ourselves anyway of what we need to do to you know get be in the optimum state for function learning you know being thriving whatever you know whatever language you want to put around it you know well i think i agree a, a thousand percent because the relationship that we connect that we have with the children the connection and creating that trust and that safe feeling is where they're going to be most comfortable. Of course. Right? So the self-regulation then it's 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 interesting because when you know you look at that as as someone who's coming new to the field and see self how do I teach this child to be to self-regulate, you know? It seems like such a difficult thing if they can't understand the concept. I would imagine maybe you could speak to it creating the environment for which they can they can have that and then it just kind of naturally happens for them. I think that's right. And I think also we forget that 80% of communication is nonverbal anyway. So how do we communicate? We communicate through our facial expression. We communicate through our energy field. We communicate through our hands. We communicate through our breath, actually. Mm -hmm. We communicate through our heart. You know, Mm -hmm. so we are a living, you know, communication tool, actually, in in our existence. And so when we get away from language, we're forced into, you, you know, kind of connecting at a much deeper level, actually, which is a much more useful place to be. Because, you know, if you're on overload, you can't hear much anyway. Sure, sure. You know, so all this blah, blah, blah is useless, frankly. Right, so, when you're in your own head, of course, yes. you know, especially for the, these, these kids, it's, it's like mm-hmm. they're in their own head, their focus, their intention is what's most important right now, and they're not going to hear anything else. No. No, no, no. And I think, you know, if we can start to understand our own inherent basic needs, they're the same basic needs as everybody. Everybody in the whole universe, you know, has, has you know, inherent needs to feel safe, to feel loved, to feel respected, to feel cared for. Right. You know, and if we can meet that just through our energy, mm-hmm. then the child will calm down. And it's so interesting that with the breath, what happens is, is that if I'm breathing calmly, the child's breath will go, ah. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. and yes, I can use some pressure points and yes, I can do some stretching and yes, right. I can, you know, invite the child to do whatever. But at the end of the day, if I'm not in that state, it's like children learn from modeling anyway, don't they? They don't right. learn from what you say. They learn from who you are. So if we model it, you know, it changes it. Right. It always amazed me because when I would think about how do I have this child who's starting to maybe like escalate in their agitation mm-hmm. and introduce breathing in that moment. The idea to me almost seemed like, how could they understand the connection between like, right now I'm starting to move in this direction and you want me to start to breathe, to calm down. How do I make that make sense for them? But it's amazing how it really does work and and how they do actually respond to it, even when they're starting to escalate, from my experience. Have you seen that? Totally. 
Yeah. Totally. You know, because what happens is, is that, you know, as the adults around the child, we don't want them to escalate. So our energy starts to shift because all of a sudden we go into a kind of um, stress fear base because mm -hmm. we don't want that to happen for them. And that that energy they're receiving. Right. And they're picking up on. So if we can just really trust that we can hold that space, that the child's okay, hold on to you, hold on to you, right. you know, right. keep holding on to you, keep the child safe, but hold on to you. It's amazing. It's amazingly powerful. It's such a powerful uh, practice. And then, of course, you know, as we escalate, we're leaving our bodies. So if mm -hmm. we can, in addition to uh, breathing, perhaps just m uh, model some just holding on to yourself. Or maybe the child will let you hold them. Maybe, right. maybe not, depending on where right. they are in that escalation and their sensory system. But just so that they can then come stay here, you know, right. just stay here. Let's just be here. We can be here together. It's okay. Right. We can do this together. It's that kind of energy exchange without language. Mm, that's beautiful. Do you find that parents are receptive to that? Because obviously parents are overwhelmed by so many things, especially if they have a mother and child. And so those moments come and they, they kind of panic potentially, or they their stress levels from combination of their life. And this moment, how do you get through to the parents to be able to keep the calmness about them in those moments? Do you train these, do you train parents in that way or? Yeah, we give parents, you know, I think that the the thing is, is that we can't just use these practices in those moments because we can't recall them and our body is not familiar with them. So the more that we do them when we're not in that state, the more they're there anyway, you know. So, you know, it's it's really about just let's, uh, everybody can find five minutes. I single parented for a long time. I used to get up at four in the morning. I was crazy. I know. And not every, I'm not suggesting that any parent gets up at four o'clock in the morning. But what I needed to do in order to manage myself and manage my work and manage my children was to get up and practice before they did. Okay. You know, so that by the time they got up, I was in a better place. Mm -hmm. And on the days that I couldn't or didn't or chose not to or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the days weren't as easy. Okay. They genuinely weren't as easy. And, you know, I mean, I chose to, you know, take a couple of hours. We can change our state in 10 minutes, five I minutes. I was going to ask, if you don't have that you time, know, is there so we find So we, we suggest people start with what you can do. Start yeah. with five minutes. And the thing is, is that when you, I think when you cultivate, you know, just a little bit of self-care, self-love, because actually that's what it's about too, mm -hmm. is that you matter, you know, right. you exactly. matter, you know, and I think you know, kind of getting to the place where we can just impart to parents how much they matter mm -hmm. and how important they are, not to make them feel guilty, but to to encourage their own sense of self. Because, you know, we're all human beings making it, you know, living a human life. There's a human mess anyway. Do you know I mean, we mm -hmm. all are. We're all going to make mistakes, you know, sure. being human. It's OK. But when we can learn to just hold on to ourselves and go, OK, so, you know. Another hour, another minute. <laughs> We've all done things we regret. I mean, no human being walking on this planet would say they've never done anything they regretted or would have preferred not to have done. Right. It's okay, you know. It's all right. We can we can go beyond that. So it's it's about just beginning to cultivate a different relationship with yourself, so that you can be more forgiving, more human. Right. <laughs> let, let, you know, less you know caught up with the so you know the kind of social things. Oh, you have to be perfect. Or, you know. Sure. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. What's perfect anyway? Do you know? It doesn't exist. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Self-compassion. It's so central to it's so yeah. central to what I try to teach parents too and 
or at least get the message across to them their import their importance yeah. within this picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, because with, I know that the, the tendency to lose yourself and and think that now I'm giving up myself for my child's life existence. And I think oftentimes parents are really exhausted as well. Yes. You know, and you know, it's really hard to regulate and remember when you're exhausted, because actually when you're exhausted, you're depleted. And you know, what I you know, I always kind of see that. You know, if we we don't need to fill ourselves up completely. I mean, in an ideal world, we're all so filled up, we're just giving from our overflow. In real life, that's not going to happen, right, on a daily basis, right? right? So, or even on a monthly basis, necessarily. But if we can just keep our tank just above empty, we have something to run on. And when we've got something to run on, we're less reactive. Yeah, we can be more responsive in those moments where we yeah. can actually think. And more loving <laughs> and kinder. <Right. laughs> you know, Absolutely. <laughs> And all of those emotional pieces. So really, it's about just five minutes, a couple of times a day. You can probably keep your tank filled up. Yeah, because when I raise the idea to parents about finding any time for themselves during the day, you know, oh, no. it's oh, a no. laugh. You know, you just get a good laugh or a what are you crazy kind of experience. But, um, you know, you can hold on to yourself, take a breath, find your feet. You you know, there's all sorts of things you can do that aren't necessarily yoga, you know, get rolling out a yoga mat and doing all these lovely stretches and all that stuff. You know, you put that aside. Lovely if you can, but you know, most people can't in that in those dynamics. So do what you can. And everybody can find a couple of minutes just to I'm gonna I'm be here now. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. You know, because we've all got self-soothe and we're in a very dysregulated world at the moment. For sure. I was going to ask if you had any other examples of that for parents. You know, there's the holding part. Uh, are there any other self-regulating activities that parents can do in a short amount of time? Yeah, I, I always feel like, you know, I, there, are, there are people that I think we're all slightly different. So I think there are people that need to kind of move, you know, so shaking and, and uh, you know, with or without noise <laughs> can be really helpful just to discharge um, emotional dysregulation and anger, frustration, you know, the more difficult feelings. So you might stand up and just literally shake through your body. You know, I mean, you know, when people first see you doing that, they think you're nuts, but actually yeah, sure. it's really, it's amazing how quickly you can just shake out. So that would be one practice I would do. Uh, and I actually do it myself. So if I f find myself charged, that's the first thing, probably one of the first things I'll go and do as my practice wow. is just shake myself out. And then I can settle my breath because you can't settle your breath if you're really dysregulated. Mm -hmm. often, sometimes you can't find your breath, you know. So anything that will help discharge emotionally is, I think, really helpful. And then we can just bring our hands onto the belly, onto the chest and just, okay. You know, and, and I think also... Speaking to yourself as if you were your best friend is really helpful too. I like that. Because we, we, we have more horrible thoughts to ourselves than we have to anybody else in the world. So if we can start to talk to ourselves differently, okay, it's okay, we can do this. And also the thing that I always need to remember is this too will pass. This mm -hmm. moment will pass. Because, you know, when you're in the, 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 the thick of it, you forget that because you're so caught up with it. <gasps> it will yes. pass. It's okay. It's just a moment in time, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think it's, for me, it's remembering and just calling on. The other thing I really like to do is feel my feet. Okay, yes. I've, I've read I've read about feel my feet. Can you explain that? Yeah. So if you were to just, I don't know where your feet are at the moment, um, but, you know, if you Down were there. just, <laughs> if you were just to feel the sensation of your feet on the, on, on, in your shoes, presumably, I'm barefoot, but I'm always barefoot. But, I'm on um, socks right now, so. Okay, well, there you go, even easier. But, you know, with shoes, without shoes, you just feel the sensation of the soles of your feet 
and you can push more weight into that or you can just stretch your toes a little bit and generally when you stretch your toes you'll stretch your fingers as well and just start to feel the sensation so the mind goes down into the toes the feet so sometimes if you've got no shoes on you might want to really just play around with your toes lift your toes lift your big toes lift your two middle toes and just start to bring your attention down it's a really effective way and if you think about it from a physical perspective your brain and your feet are the first furthest apart from each other aren't they you know mm, yes right so that helps and then for for other people it might be just literally stretch just stretch just stretch, just stretch and move, just, ah, you know, just move. Again, right. it's all about what you need to do in order to come back into your body. Because when we're over, when we're in that very, very, very high alert state, we're actually energetically out of our bodies. So it's really that we have to know ourselves too. We have to know the thing that we need. Yeah, so just try different things, right. see what works. What works, mm -hmm. right. And there's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Where does mindfulness come into your practice because it sounds like it's really this is all kind of foundational well i think and, it's all mindfulness right so do you actually practice in terms of the, the subject matter or is it really that's just within your practice mindfulness <laughs> well, <laughs> a bit of a big question there so yeah. I, I think that um mind well mindfulness first of all came out of meditation as a secular practice you know, because meditation had a, a religious undertones because of the varying religions that have used meditation and continue to use meditation. And then as, as mindfulness came into more being, there were more and more practices that were brought into it that wouldn't be, med wouldn't be meditation in its classical sense that actually are inviting you to explore your inner world. You know, so how do you feel, you know, I mean, I've seen practices that say to the children, you know, what weather are you inside? Are you raining? Are you... Yeah. A rainbow? Are you sunny? Are they cloudy? Are you windy? You know what's going on. So right. you, you, you know, so anything from that to, um, okay. So how do you relate to your own anger or your own frustration? Because how you relate to it is inevitably how you're going to relate to it to another. You know, are you comfortable crying, for example? Because if you're not, when a child cries, you're going to try and stop them, even though perhaps they need to cry in order to release whatever they've got going on. And no one likes to see a crying child. I get that. But sometimes we all need to. I'm one of the world's criers, so it's easy for me. But, um, you know, but, you know, it's, 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 you know, so how, how are we in relate, you know, and then that will impact how we are in relation to another. So when we start to change our own, our own inner landscape of, of not so much our landscape, because our landscape is our landscape, but how we relate to our landscape will, will help us to identify how we relate to another's landscape effectively. So that's another piece of mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other piece of mindfulness could be just how am I in here? You know, how's my heart today? What does my heart need? You know, so I think there are so many different ways in to mindful practice. And really, at the end of the day, it's about being able to be more present. And when we're very anxious, very, you know, heightened in our nervous system arousal, if you want to call it that, the less connected we are to our inner experience because the body and the breath are a guide. You know, it's like, you know, if you, so you use the the question before about, you know, what happens when you've got a child who's in the throes of kicking off, right? right. So what happens to you inside when that happens? You know, are you able to stay calm or do you feel yourself tensing inside? Mm -hmm. In which case, how do you uh, calm that or unwind that 
in the moment so that you can be a better presence for the child. Mm -hmm. How do you communicate that to parents who struggle with that? Is it through the practice, your yoga practice itself, through the breathing, all those things? Those are the things to get them to that place. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 And, you know, yoga, ha you know, and I also think we need to identify what yoga is. I wanted because, to add, that was a question I wanted to ask. Can we yeah, define yoga? And Yeah, because I think that the way in which yoga has come into the West is, you know, let's contort ourselves into pretzel-like shapes and let's get as fit and, you know, skinny as, you know, you know all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's lovely, uh, but actually it's not yoga. It's not okay. yoga as I understand yoga. So for me, yoga is a state of being. And there are pathways to that, one of which is movement, one of which is breath. And the rest are uh, different schools of meditation. You could use sound. You can use there's all sorts of techniques and tools to get you to the state of yoga, right? Okay. So, and at the end of the day, my life is not going to change if I can get my leg behind my head. Might be nice for the moment, but it's but my, my life will change if I can learn how to sit here. You know, it's fascinating because when you opened up this conversation, you talked about your first experience with yoga and how it was that spiritual experience and you didn't walk away even thinking about the physical component. Yeah. And that made no, I mean, that makes sense to me logically, mm -hmm. but from my personal experience, my first experience, that didn't really make sense because it was the physical because they, the teachers are trying to get you to contort your body into all these positions that are really uncomfortable and to hold these positions for times. And so I, you know, I walked away over here <laughs> thinking that was painful and uncomfortable and it took me a while to go back to it because I thought it's, you know, I love the concept of the idea of what the peace that yoga can bring to you, but I didn't find that it was bringing that to me. So you entered in that spiritual way, that spiritual response that you had to it, that, that brought you to it. What's, why is it different over here? How, how have we missed the boat? On this, on well, this I think most people, most people come to it, you know, through a much more physical practice because it's an easy access point, you know, for most people. And I mean, I feel privileged that that's not what happened to me. But um, I mean, I love the physical practice. And I also don't like to go to classes where I'm being told my body's being tried. To, I mean, I'm in my mid 60s, you know, I mean, it's like, thank yes. you. I've done this for long enough. I'm not going to do things that my body's not going to want to do. You know what I mean? Right. And that's been the same case for years, you know. But um you know, there is there is a place where the physical practice does unlock blockages. It takes us out of our self-imposed lim limitations if it's done in a healthy, good way, you know. So it's an access point. And, and if you think about the fact that, you know, when you're in that kind of heightened state, you're disconnected from your body, the physical practice will help bring you back into your body. Mm -hmm. okay. So it has multi, you know, it has multi-dimensional, if you like, um, benefits. But the meditative component is sounds so critical. Um, and, and, and that I find in some of the classes I've taken, there is that meditative moment, perhaps at the beginning, mm -hmm. perhaps at the end, but it doesn't seem to be the dominant component. I don't think it is, but I think people have to access it in different ways. You know, some people will say to me, I can't sit, I can't sit still. I'm like, okay, fine. Then, then walk and meditate move and meditate you know you can still do it but do what works for you gotcha until you you can settle you know or maybe you'll never settle and that's okay too but whatever you know it's like people run and it clears their minds right yes. mm -hmm. in a way that's their meditation i don't want to run but I, i'd prefer to sit <laughs> but you know whatever works for you we're all different you know in terms of our uh our, our physiology and our energy field right 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 yeah 
Yeah. You know, and as we get older too, the physical, <laughs> the body doesn't let you do some of the things you would love to do anyway. I keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into your center a little bit. You started your center. Well, you started the special yoga center in 2004. We opened, we opened a studio in London in uh, 2002. We closed it in 2017, maybe. Okay. And, um, that had a huge space. It was beautiful, beautiful studio, actually, we were gifted with. And we started running training courses more or less immediately. And we also were, I don't know, treating between 100 and 150 kids a week there as well. And we had group sessions and, and all sorts. And the mainstream uh, yoga was set up to support the stuff we were doing with the kids and the training programs as well. And then when the, um, and then during that time, People would came came from overseas as well to to study with us, so they'd invite us. You know, you know, will I come? Will I come? So I started to travel quite a bit as well, okay. and um, you know, taking the trainings out. And so when we closed the studio, taking the training, running a training, you don't need a, you don't need your space to run a training. You just need a space to run a training. And so, I mean, it was a, you know, it was a pity that we lost the space for the families and the children that really benefited. But mm. from a training perspective. It wasn't really necessary. <laughs> you know, it was lovely, but it wasn't right. necessary. So we started to take the trainings out to different places and different environments and have much more freedom to do that because we weren't locked into the studio, basically. Right. Right. And then, of course, in 2020, when COVID hit, we went online like everybody else did and found that actually it was an interesting process of teaching this online and it worked. And I had hours and hours and hours and hours of films that I just went through and put pieces in so you could see what, you know, what you would have got live you can see on film. Mm -hmm. And we're now doing both in-person, we're just going back to looking at how do we deliver in-person as well as online courses. So we're doing both now, yeah. And the in-person also includes working with the kids at this point or really yeah. more focused on just the training? Both. Well, the, during the training, we bring kids in. You bring in kids in. Mm. Okay. And yeah. Do you have a methodology that you follow with your trainees at all, or is it just kind of, how does it work? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I, we don't teach a methodology. And, and if you go backwards to where I said, we had, I had that blind man and his dog came into the classroom. Hmm. So I learned in that moment at that, at that particular session that class plans don't work because if I was trying to follow a class plan, we, we would have been in, who knows where yeah so and what i realized was was that when you have a class plan your focus is on your class plan and if you don't fulfill your class plan there's a whole mental thing that goes on as the teacher not healthy right. and so we don't use them so what it what what, what we way we do is we give you we teach you a huge toolbox and we invite you to use that toolbox so you understand it so practice it when you want to practice it when you don't want to practice in the morning practice in the evening practice whenever you can you know mm -hmm. So that you start to embody and understand the practices. And then when you are in your own, you know, in a space where you've done your own practice, you're there with the child and you know, not from here, but from here. Yeah. And the children, when they come in, I know everybody's different. So do you find that it takes time for a lot of kids or do you find that there's kind of an immediate connection? I mean, obviously it's probably it was very correct. Um, I think it always varies, and I think it also depends on where you are. So if you have a, if you come into a session and you have an expectation of what you want to get out of it, mm -hmm. you've already created a level of anxiety. Right. right? These kids come in with they no expectations. They some of them don't even know why they're there, right? Because someone's brought yeah, them there. Yeah, but what are you bringing to it as the adult? Right. Because that's what the first thing they're going to pick up on is you. 
Right. So where are you? Mm-hmm. Right. And if you just come in and go, I'm just here to love you, really, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm just here to hold a safe space for you. And let's see what's possible. Let's see mm-hmm. what we can do. You know, that's you- that's where magic happens. Right. Do you find that the people who come to train come fairly readily with that ability? Or do you, is that something that you teach and, and model? I think everybody has the inherent ability. They just don't know how to, they've just forgotten how to use it. Right. They don't know how to access it. And so you open that opportunity up to them. Yeah. I mean, at the end of that, I don't think we really teach anybody anything. We're just reminding you mm-hmm. of what you yeah. already know. I like that. They must have a lot of gratitude, though, because, you know, the, to walk away with yourself like that, the the evolution of our of our growing process, when we can get to that place where we can actually be compassionate to both ourselves and to others, to me, for me, that's like, that's the meaning of life, right? It's like, why are we here, you know? And so I can just, I, I, I don't know, it just makes sense to me that a lot of people would walk away with such gratitude that they see, seize this opportunity and that they were able to develop to a higher potential for themselves. Yeah, we do, we, you know, we, we do get extraordinary feedback. And I think people come on not really knowing what they're going to get. You know, they think they're just going to get tools for the kids or whatever it is. They, I don't know what people think. Right. But, That's what um, I mean. It's like they're not even aware what they're going to walk away with. No, right. No, no, no. So go ahead. I'm but sorry. I, but, but I think everybody walks away going, ah, you know, there's a kind of, ah, now I get it. And, you know, and sometimes at the end of courses, people go, oh, you're really teaching about love, aren't you? No. Yeah, that's what you got. Yeah, I am. You know, but you—it's already in you. I'm not teaching you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you already have it. We all have it. We've just forgotten. We've got layers of old conditioning and old stories that we carry that just need to be removed. But it you takes know? a special person to be able to remind a person of that, or have them help them <laughs> to reconnect. So obviously, you bring something to the table that is uniquely qualified to do such. Uh, have you found what is? Your own personal experience, your own personal growth, has anything really just surprised you along the way as far as your journey uh, towards you in this in this world? Um, well, I guess when I first started, I didn't realize how much of a gift these children were. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've I, and I've long believed that I don't really teach them anything. I share what I know. You know, <laughs> I share me. <laughs> I and feel the same way. Me. Yes, yeah. and you teach me. And what you teach me is to be more present to me. You know, you teach me about where I am not a hundred percent in in proper alignment, in in authentic alignment. Let's put it that way. And that's been my journey. You know, places where I'm not patient, places where I don't trust, places where I'm places where I'm scared, places where. And I think over the years that I've done this work, you know, it, it just kind of it, it, it's like um it's like it's like the water's opening. You know, it's like the the party. You know, just like ah, let's get all this stuff out of the way. Let's yeah. Just, yeah. You know, and that's that's been and continues to be, I have to say, the biggest gift for me. Yeah, I, I found, too, that working with the kids when I stayed open like that, what they could give me and they gave me so much, you know, uh, such insight. And you talk about wanting to be able to get in their world into their mind. That was always something I would say, too. It's like just five minutes. So I could just see where mm-hmm. you're coming from, what your world looks like to you, you know, but it became over time, I found that because I was so familiar with them, that you could kind of at least be sensitive enough to the, those needs and and perspectives potentially. See it in their eyes when they walk in the middle at the beginning of the day and go, "Okay, I know where you're at at this point, and so what you might need." And the idea of speaking 
calmly and staying in that place, even when things are starting to escalate, is the key, I think. Yeah, it was really interesting. One of the teachers said to me the other day, you know, uh, we were on a, a community session because we, we, you know, I support my community as much as I can. And she said to me, you know, it's really amazing because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not doing as much practice as I should be. Okay, that's right. She said, but when I work with, she works with um, uh, children with brain injury. So they often they're PMLD, you know, mm-hmm. really profound, multiple um, challenges. And she said, right. you know, I, I come away from working with them and I'm like filled up. And I'm like, well, of course you are. Of mm-hmm. course you are. Because those children, you know, as difficult as bodies as they're in, the other side of them is a connection to the divine because they've got no mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, they're living, you know, they're living in this just extraordinary space you know, mm. spiritual space, I suppose, or, you know, uh, as well as living with incredibly difficult bodies. Yeah, um, right. You know, they've got the, they, they live in those two kind of, you know, very opposing, di- you know, very opposing worlds they live in. Right. But if we can enter into the that world, that realm, we, we, the amount of energy they're giving us, and it's all spiritual seekers are seeking where they are. And it comes with no animosity. It comes with no in, intended... Uh, it's pure. Um, yeah. It's completely pure. I have I've had a client where who was multiply disabled and the beauty that he gives off there's that innocence and there's that trust and there's that love and it's it's unconditional. And to be able to tap into that and absorb that, you know, um great reminders <laughs> of how to of how to live my life, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I think they teach us, you know, and, and, you know, we talk about co-regulation of we get into the state in order to help them regulate, but there's some of them already there, you know. <laughs> right, so they, they're they, giving it to us, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah. The yoga with the kids, what what can, how can you describe how you work with the kids with just the, the practice well, of yoga? Yeah, yeah sure. So, so we use a, a, a combination of practices that are asanas, movement, um, breath work um massage so we look at different we, different schools of massage a little bit of a little bit of neuroreflexology a little bit of indian head massage a little bit of tuinar a little bit of pressure points acupressure and so we 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 pull out just literally a handful of little bits of of, of those to give you uh techniques that we you know we've used and we know work and are safe as well <laughs> and then we use sound um, so I think sounds really important, really helpful, which is Nadi yoga actually, and um, and mindfulness, meditation, all that. So we we our toolbox is made of all of those things. And in sound, for example, you'd get rhythm, you'd get um, vibration, um, and you can use it with body movement. You can use it as a way of communication back and forth with the child. So it's you can use it as a way of just releasing blocked emotions, you know, if they get the child to make as much noise as they can kind of thing, you know, with movement. Um, so, you know, each uh, aspect of practice has a value. Am I making sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, and the movements, you know, so we, we keep the asana bait part of the practice quite uh, simple and we really look at doing them really well. And do we hold the poses? Do we repeat the poses? What you know? So there are benefits to both. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we want the child to do is to get the maximum benefit out of it, according to the child's physical physical and cognitive abilities, 
and to start to, you know, wire up, rewire um, neural pathways, you know, using neuroplasticity and, you know, all of that as well. So it's a combination of practices that we'd look at. So I think most practice, most sessions would involve an element of breath work, would involve an element, which might be just me breathing and just having my hands on your body, just helping you to breathe. It might be, you know, using some language, maybe not, maybe using some sound, because when we use sound, we're breathing out. It would involve probably some relaxation moments. So sometimes it would be a extended relaxation at the end. It, sometimes it might be moments of relaxation through the session, right. depending on what the child's capacity is and where they are in their nervous system, mm-hmm. regulation or dysregulation. And we might use some massage points, which we would try and give the child to do themselves, some squeezing, some really, let's get you here, embodiment. So when we meet the child, we're looking at how do you breathe? What's your emotional state? What's your energetic state? And, you know, from a physical point of view, do you need core strength? Do you need um, balance? You know, and then you kind of create the practice according to those needs. So the needs tell you. The child always comes. They guide you. Yeah. Right. You know, and if you're in a group setting, which sometimes we are, then you, you know, you you can you you just got to do something that more or less everybody can do. And if pieces children jumping in and out of not being able to do things, it's okay mm-hmm. too. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I leave them at. They come back. You know. It's okay. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. There's the idea that there's limitations to their their yeah. ability to stay in a in an activity for too long. Yeah. How long does a session run? Well, I've run sessions for 10 minutes and I've run sessions for an hour and a half. So really it depends on the, I mean, I, I just, the 10 minute one just you know popped into my head. There was a, when I first worked with a, a boy, he had quite complex autism, I would say. And that was as much as he could tolerate mm-hmm. at first. Right. And then it, you know, after a while, he, sometimes he would stay for 20, 30 minutes and sometimes he would need to leave after 15 minutes. Right. So, you know, it would just modify according to his needs really right. and yeah, then every day you know, is different every time is different and i think every session is different because we're not, we're not in the same place every week or every sure. day or whatever anyway yeah so, we're not robots we just <laughs> function the same no, way. so right. i think it's just about meeting the child where they are you know mm-hmm. yeah and do you find that parents evolve through this process with their child when they see their child's growth maybe we can tell me what you've what you've experienced with parents as far as their response I think, again, if you go back to what is yoga, I think there are parents that have come in to us when we had the studio and go, oh, let me show you. He can do a down dog. Let me show you. He can do a tree. Let me show you. And you're like, okay, that's great. <laughs> great. You know, <laughs> and you can kind of feel the, you know, if you read the energy, you can kind of feel the kind of <gasps> around that. So let's just deescalate all of that. <laughs> just, you know, right. you know right. come into a different place. And I think, you know, overall, when a parent who is charged, you know, or, Anxious, which I think a lot of parents, you know, understandably, with with children with 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 special educational needs and special needs right. are, um, when they first see the potential of their child, the fact that the child can relax, the fact that the child's doing things for the first time, it's so moving for them. You know, I remember one family saying to me, "Oh my God, my son never even knew he had a body before he came to see you." Yeah. You know, so uh, and that was after session two, so. You know, I, I I don't know. You know, it's I think it's such a, a moving experience. And I think also we have to manage the expectation of parents as well, because what I absolutely know from years of doing this is the less um, 
expectations we have, the more the magic happens. And it's very, you know, so that's a dance of building trust with the parent that, you know, it might not look like yoga. It might, you know, because you're working from the inside out as well, aren't you? You know, so sometimes it might not quite look like what they expect, you know. Right. So then you have a conversation and you're just like, okay, so what is it that you, I mean, do you really think that if your child can do a down dog beautifully, it's going to change their life? Mm -hmm. You know, in a nice way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, form is, form is important. (laughs) You know, and I think the same way we meet the, 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 the children, we need to meet the parents as well. Because the other thing that of course happens for these parents is no one ever says, how are you? Exactly. No one ever says, how are you? Right. And that's what you we know. talked about before, that, that they're the importance of the parent, that they remind yeah. themselves or they're reminded of their importance. Yeah. Can you elaborate yeah. on that a little bit, some of your experience with that? Uh, well, yeah, as, as, as a parent. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. So, um, you know, my daughter had some challenging behaviors and, okay. you know, um, none of the teachers could meet her. She had attachment disorder. So none of the teachers could meet her. Uh, she, you know, she came in from another country, you know, an adopted child. And... When I first, I think she was about 11, it was in secondary school, where a teacher finally said to me, your daughter's amazing. And I looked at her and I'm like, whose child are you talking about? No one's ever <laughs> said that to me before. I literally sat there and wept and my daughter's going, stop it, mum, stop. Why did I have bruises on my arm that day? But it was, it was the most extraordinary experience because somebody had finally seen her, mm. you know? And I think, you know, as a parent, what you hear all the time is all of how awful your child is, how, you know, and I get it. I totally get it. But it's not helpful. No. It's so not helpful because every child is an amazing being and every child is, you know, has something to, you know, has a light within them. And and my I've always seen my job is to find that light. It sounds like you're giving these. And when you share that light with a parent. Yeah. And they're looking at you like going, wow, really? Because <laughs> yeah. maybe they can see their child through different eyes. Well, that's, I think, the greatest gift as a teacher we can give to a parent is the ability to see their child's potential and yeah. to see who they really are. Because yeah. I think sometimes they get caught up in the, the diagnosis and the label and they, get, they can't see beyond it. And it's more about how am I going to get my child to fit into this world as opposed to letting my child be who they are and and accepting that and being able to go with that because i've had that experience too where you know i'll tell a parent you know i've had plenty of kids too like you know with different behaviors and even ones with dramatic behavior issues you find the beauty in them you know you find their laugh or whatever it is and you just and you and you express that to a parent and the responses are exactly that i've had them just thank you thank you for saying that because you know no one ever says anything like that, or or I'm, I forget, you know, because I'm so caught up in all the other challenges that I forget that there's this beautiful child there who's innocent. You know, these responses, these escalations are innocent. And so we have to remind ourselves to not be personally offended by them or as if there are personal attacks on us. Well, they haven't set up the night, night before trying to figure out how they were going to piss you off. That's for sure. <laughs> right. It's a little like that way. <laughs> fully living in the moment, you know, exactly. exactly. That's also kind of just something where, where I think no expectations is so important. Because if we have expectations and they're not fulfilled, then what are you going to say? If you come in with a just complete, let's just see what happens. There'll always be some magic that happens. I wish that could be more universally preached <laughs> in schools. Uh, 
you know, I found that too, when I first started, I was kind of like, I was a teacher in a classroom in special education. You know, they prepare you just best they can in a, in a school, but then you have to go and deal with the reality of the situation. And yeah, you can have all the plan, best plans in the world, but if you try to stick to them and force the child to form within your, your structure that you need to feel like you're doing your job, there's, there's such a low success rate in that. You know, you're not going to give the child what they really need. And, and you're right. You have to be open to learn from the child about how to instruct them and what they need. And, you know, more boxes get ticked if you're more relaxed. More boxes get ticked, yes. I love it. <laughs> and isn't that, you know, so much tick boxing, box ticking, whatever they call it, in, in, yeah. in education and therapy as well? Yes. And, you, you know, you come away from, you know, like, because that, you know, think about it. That, that, oh, I've got to get those boxes ticked, you know. Mm -hmm. What kind of energy is that? No child's going to function well in that. Right, right. You know, the benefits of it are something that I think parents maybe don't realize. And could you just maybe, to wrap this up, um, so I appreciate your time and you've given me a lot of your time, Pleasure. to talk about the benefits that parents could achieve with their child as far as their child's personal growth, the relationship the parents can have with their child, things things of that nature that can make living at home a much more prosperous and enjoyable experience as opposed to feeling pressures of every day and, you know, the scheduling and the schooling and all these things that have to happen. What can yoga bring to the families, to the child, to the parents? So a long time ago, a teacher said to me, you know, if you relax more, you get more done. And I looked at her thinking, you're nuts. You're absolutely nuts. And it one of those things that stayed with me. And the more calm and regulated I am, the more gets done without stress. Yeah. And I think there's the, there's that sense of we have to do everything and we're on our own doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, there's a whole there's a whole nother world out there that says the universe has your back. <laughs> and if we can drop into that a little bit. At whatever capacity that is for us in our own experience, the easier it is to not feel like everything's on your shoulders. Yes. So that's been my experience. Um, and as I said, I single parented two kids and it hasn't been easy, wasn't easy, yeah. you know, and I had days where I was just, you know, on the floor, um, you know, couldn't get up off the floor. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, there were days when I was super stressed and yelling at everybody, you know, so I've been there. I know yeah. what it feels like. And right. And and if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, my 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 children's life would have been different. I'm absolutely sure of that. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, and I've learned, you know, as we do. As but we um, do. Right. you know, and I and I and I don't go back and go, oh, I wish all the guilt and all that stuff. I don't bother with that. It's a waste of my time. But um, doesn't help. It. I mean, if it helped, I would do it. But it doesn't help. So I'm not going to bother. Um, but I think you know, it's it's just take time for you. Just remember that you matter and connect with another parent who can tell you you matter and you're okay. And I think that there's that sense of isolation also when we're in that state and we don't want to, the shame and we don't want to tell everybody we're in that, you know, we're falling apart. It's okay, you know, and you're not alone. You're really not alone. And I think if we can reach out in those moments as opposed to isolate ourselves, it's really important. I've known parents, when you speak about the regret component, you know, their children are grown up and and they beat themselves up. They'll see a movie, they'll see a clip, they'll see something, they'll hear something, they'll read something, and they'll think, oh, you know, if I could have just done that better. And it, it is, it is such a waste of your time because you do the best you can in those moments. And we don't know what we know 
all the <laughs> now we don't know then what we know now. So yeah, and it could be what you might have done yesterday as well. Oh, I wish I had. Sure. Yeah. Such a terrible parent, but yeah, you're not. You're just being human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think I think we need to kind of cultivate that. But I do think talking to other people is helpful. Yeah. You know, I think we need. You know, years ago we lived in communities. You know, villages raised children. It wasn't single right. parents raising children, or, or, or you know, you know, parent. No, I'm not talking about single parent as a single parent, but you know, a, a small family unit raising children. It wasn't like that. You know, and they say it takes a village, actually. So where's your village? Find your village. Find your village. They're there. And they won't judge you and they'll just love you and hold you. So find them because we're all in this together. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think uh, that's the other thing that happens through our training courses is parents meet each other. Yes. Yeah, the support yeah. groups are so important. Whatever form they take, I think are Absolutely. so critical. The last thing I want to ask you is the parents themselves, they walk in with the idea that their child is going to do yoga. Do you find that the parents themselves pick it up as well and start to start to do it with their child? Yeah, and I think you know there's a there's a dance with that too because if the parent is watching you and you can they they're watching you kind of manipulate their child's body if you want to I hate that language but you yeah. know move their child's body right. they think oh I can do that but actually what they're not taking on board is the state that I'm in and the state that they're in when they come to their child's body mm -hmm. so um, I I encourage it and I discourage it depending on the what I'm see what I'm feeling in in the parent let's get you sorted first. How can people get in touch with you or, or find you? And you're, you have a global reach, correct? I mean, you're not just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, yeah, can yeah. you speak yeah. about that? Um, well, I was privileged to travel around the world, really. So uh, I've got yes. programs. I've, I've taught a couple of times in Peru. I've taught a couple of times in Mexico, where I'm going back, actually, um, later in the year. Um, taught a lot in Spain, where I'm also going back um, shortly. We're opening up Austria uh, coming up. And then I've also taught in Asia and Australia and Iceland and Middle East. I mean, so just, you know. So people can access you any, anywhere, your program anywhere. Well, online anyway. You know, I mean, right. that was so interesting in COVID. People, people, I mean, our first courses were heaving. And I was like, where do these people come from? You know, mm. and of course it was, oh, I haven't been able to study with you because I couldn't get to you, didn't have the money, didn't have the childcare, didn't have the time. Amazing. And we had like, the reach was going, I was sitting there going, wow. <laughs> that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's you... the beauty of, that's the beauty of um, technology, really. Yes. Yeah, so we continue our online courses so that people can still access us that, you know, are happy learning that way. Um, and I think we got more used to that in COVID anyway. And then we've, we are starting some in-person courses, but predominantly in the UK, soon to come in Spain, soon to come in Austria soon to come in Mexico as the first for this year anyway. And then we'll see, and maybe Sri Lanka, I'm not sure yet. And then back there, because I did, I, I worked there extensively. Um, Do you have anything in the States the at all, in the United States? I haven't taught in the States, so I'd love to. Yeah, someone will invite me and I'll come. Okay. I have to talk to some people. <laughs> well, I'd love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> how can people reach you then? So we have a website called www.specialyoga.co.uk. Okay. My name is Jyoti, J-Y-O-T-I. So my email is jyoti at specialyoga.co.uk. Uh, we also have an app on Mighty Networks called Special Yoga. So it's free to join. Yeah, Mighty Networks there. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Jyoti Joe Manuel or Special Yoga Global. Um, same on Instagram, LinkedIn, 
and TikTok I try and avoid because it makes gives me a headache. But um, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm not that hard to find, really. And how fortunate for people to be able to have access to you. This has been such a pleasure to meet you. And to oh, you too. To Thank you so much for inviting me. I love oh being able to chat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This was such a comfortable chat. It's just, you know, this is, the, this is what I want, you know, uh, this, this type of back and forth where we can just relax and learn from each other and share. And uh, you're just a, a beautiful person to be able to do that with. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for inviting me. It's really a privilege. All the best in the future and, and all the best in spreading your word around the world. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. You too. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics new to you or close to your heart. I hope this podcast might inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, and outpouring of goodness and positive role modeling for your children, while remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at Audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent training through my email, specialadvising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook and my website. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. <laughs> <laughs>